totally sure how I work yet. Welcome to the St. Canard Files, a Darkwing Duck podcast. We're your hosts, Mike Russo and... Tiffany Silverbron. And back with us again to do part two of Dangerous Currency is Stan. Welcome back, Stan. Thanks for having me back. All right, folks, we're going to make this one a little bit shorter. Uh, Tiffany has a lot going on tonight, so we're going to dispense with the pre-talk today and jump right into the issue. But everyone doing good tonight? Yeah. Yep. (laughs) All right, awesome. So today we're talking about, um, like I said, part two of Dangerous Currency, which takes place in issue 17 of Darkwing Duck, which was published in October 2011. Second to last issue of Darkwing, guys. Yep. Uh, it's kind of sad, but we know we've got lots of Joe books coming our way. Penultimate. Penultimate. That's what that <laughs> word was created for. <laughs> and um, I also want to point out this issue, this art was only by James Silvani this time. So yeah. I don't know what the deal with, deal was with having two artists last issue, but this time it's just Silvani. And if he's listening, hi, James. How's it going? <laughs> um, we have two covers, as we always do. Uh, Tiffany, tell everyone about what cover A looks like. Cover A has a kind of nervous-looking Darkwing in the middle of all of the Beagle Boys, including Ma Beagle, <laughs> the DuckTales version of the Beagle Boys. Okay, can I just say that I absolutely love this cover? Like, this I- cover, <laughs> this cover speaks to me. Yeah, I love this one, too. <laughs> because it's right. It's correct. I, again, I don't know what happened last issue. Maybe one day James will tell us why the Beagle Boys were generic. But this cover tells me the original plan for the story arc had the actual DuckTales Beagles in it. And this cover hits everybody. We have all seven of the main DuckTales Beagles. We got Ma Beagle. There's Megabyte Beagle from Super DuckTales. There's like Grandpa Beagle, and I think he was comics only. Mm -hmm. And a couple of like generic ones in the bottom right left there, which, you know, you barely see them. But everybody's here, Babyface, Bugle, Bank Job, and like the main ones that we all know. And even the uh, director Beagle, he was from the uh, launch pad (laughs) for Higher episode, wasn't he? Yep. (laughs) Yeah, which one was it? That's Bugle Beagle. No, the one on the left with the like... Oh, bank job, bank job. Yeah, it's bank job, Beagle. And of course, you got my you got my favorite baggy Beagle over there, looking stupid as ever. <laughs> um. Then, meanwhile, another cool cover is cover B. Stan, what does cover B look like? So, cover B appears to be an homage to the Adventures in Babysitting poster. Yay! <laughs> and it's got Launchpad. And Huey, Dewey, and Louie, Webby, Goslin, and Honker all on a rope scaling a building with St. Canard in the background. Webby's kind of hanging on the LP, as is uh, Louie, you know. And it looks like uh, Dewey's hanging on the Goslin. And Honker's at the very bottom, like, with the rope tied around his waist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that, I guess, references the comic book. And this is beautifully drawn by Sabrina Alberghetti. You know, she she really does know how to draw these characters perfectly. Yeah, it really it's I mean, I, I feel like a broken record. I absolutely adore Silvani's stuff because he has his own style. Although that Ma Beagle he drew on cover A is perfect. Yeah. 
But um, Sabrina is show accurate, like 100%. Yeah, I actually don't know which cover I like better. These are both so great. Yeah. I like them both for different reasons, but I think A edges it out just because of the show accurate Beagle Boys, which is a huge rarity. But, okay, so those are our two covers. So why don't we start talking about the plot? And we're picking up exactly where we left off. Stan, what is going on in St. Canard? So our uh, main characters are looking out across at a transformed St. Canard. And they're trying to figure out a plan on what to do. And Scrooge comes up with one which Darkwing amends slightly because he knows how they're going to actually break in the Quackworks. But the plan is Darkwing, Gyro, and Scrooge will infiltrate Quackworks. Meanwhile, Honker and the Junior Woodchucks will investigate the slime with Launchpad as protection. Right. Goslin, too. Yeah. Okay, so entrusting uh, five children with Launchpad. That's a really <laughs> smart idea. It's like six children. <laughs> It, it, yeah, it's like six children, and some of them, and some of the children are more mature than the pilot is. <laughs> and, and it does, it does go wrong, as we're going to see at the very end of this issue. Uh, but yeah, Darkwing knows how to infiltrate Quackworks. So, in the next scene, uh, we get a little. You know, uh, you guys mentioned, and it is absolutely true that I was wrong, and this issue is super reference heavy. Yeah, like there's a lot of them, and we're starting right away. Like we got a couple of Snow White references in this meeting room of the poison apple and the the raven on top of the skull. Yep, that's right from Snow White. There's the clock from Haunted Mansion. Anybody recognize what this door is from in the back the of the room? From, the door is from Haunted Mansion too. And the leg of the table is Oogie Boogie's face. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, Darkwing. Gyro, Scrooge, and Little Bulb crash through the window. And like Crash. this whole... Crash. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Scrooge, as he's been doing this entire story, is getting on Darkwing's case constantly. Um, what do they find, Stan? Sitting they in a find, box. They find a box that is uh, labeled Secret Plans. That doesn't sound like it's suspicious. <laughs> no, but it is. Should be. Yep. Because what is it? Inside the box is the Quackerjack doll. Ah, from Toy With Me. Yep. No sooner do they find the Quackerjack doll than ink starts spilling out of the ceiling. Or is it coming out of uh, the sprinkler system? Uh, It looks like it's out of the sprinkler system. So everyone hides under the table. Which has another uh, reference. Yeah, um, what is the reference? It looks to be uh, one of the mayor's faces from uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. It does. It does. In fact, in the bottom panel, you see one of those dolls from Nightmare Before Christmas, the one that was chasing the kid. Yeah. A creepy doll. Okay, so who makes a triumphant return to the comics? Well, folks, it's (laughs) playtime because Quackerjack is back. But Here's Tiffany, is he quite the Quacker Jack we remember? No, he's like a Jack in the Box version of Quacker Jack with a little um, 
Mr. Banana Brain that looks like he's at the controls of like this um, uh, Jack in the Box tank sort of thing. And when you say it's a Jack in the Box Quacker Jack, he literally is. He has no lower body. He's yeah. an upper body on a spring, <laughs> which is creepy. Like Twilight Zone style. <laughs> yeah, or, or like Homer with his head on the Jack in the Box. Yeah, yeah. Twilight Zone reference. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so um, Quacker Jack's brought along a couple of friends. Stan, who are the friends? Well, Megavolt, who we've seen before. And a new and improved liquidator who now has the ability to shoot hot and cold water. Which is weird because couldn't he do that anyway? I don't see yeah, it. Yeah, I thought he could as well. <laughs> I mean, he turned the water boiling. I don't remember him freezing it, but he definitely boiled the water. Yeah. But I guess if he can boil it, he can freeze it too. Probably. But his arms are giant faucets that say hot and cold. Yeah. So, meanwhile, Launchpad and the kids are walking around the Transform St. Canard. And um, more references. We got a ton of things all over the ground. Um, Tiff, you want to point out a bunch of them for us? Yeah, you got the um, doll from Lilo and Stitch. You got Goofy's hat. And it looks like the Rocketeer's helmet. And um, is that a compass from Treasure Planet? I think so. On the upper panel, there's one of Cinderella's shoes, Woody's hat. Yeah. P- Peter Pan's oh, yeah. hat and a jar that says drink me. Yeah. And, and a honey jar. And yeah. And when, whenever Silvani doesn't know what to add to a scene, he always adds a honey pot. <laughs> and then you got the hook from Captain Hook, I'm guessing, too. Yeah. What's that thing under the hook? It looks familiar, but I have no idea what it is. I think that's part of Honker's thing that he's holding. I thought it yeah. was the ground, too, at first. But. Oh, right. It's his dowsing rod. Yep. <laughs> it looked familiar, but okay. So he makes a dowsing rod. Everybody's proud of him. Everybody congratulates him. Awesome. Honka rules. So impressive. Brilliant. And then we get the most out of left field thing in the, the issue That's I think is the funniest thing in the story. Definitely. Th- this story actually stops for a joke, and I love it for it. <laughs> uh, Tiffany, what do they encounter? <laughs> A talking, evil, sentient lamppost named Fred. <laughs> That's so great. Um, does anybody... Now, I hear a voice for this guy. Does anybody else have a voice in their head for this evil lamppost? Um, not particularly. Tiff? I don't. <laughs> Remember the Quackronomicon book from uh, by Valentine Gould? Yeah, Quacky. Who ha- yeah, who had that Howard Morris book? Don't you know? I feel yeah. like that's how this lamppost would talk. <laughs> I can hear that. <laughs> <laughs> we have more stuff in the rubble, including Cusco's hat. And a blaster from Lilo and Stitch. Yep. And uh, Jiminy Cricket's hat and uh, cane. Yep, and a, and a, I think what might be a dingle hopper. And you got lady, um, ladies collar. What was I wrong? He is really going reference crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so Goslin picks up a rock and throws it into the light on the lamp, and the lamp screams, "My light! I can't breathe. I think I'm still not totally sure how I work yet." <laughs> and Huey makes a comment that he he's never seen a girl do that before. Yeah, that was kind of strange. I mean... Kind of, except it was... They were so bad with, like, 
I don't know, sexism on DuckTales with Webby and stuff that it kind of makes sense, I guess. I mean, once in a while, Beakley could be a badass, but they really toned her down into, like, nothing but fat joke city by the end of that show. Yeah. Like, in, like, her or- the origin serial, like, she... She able she stopped that walrus by herself and snapped Scrooge out of gold fever and she was hardcore. But yeah. like she never came that close to being that cool again. So when Huey says he's never seen something like that before, I actually kind of believe it. Yeah. But it doesn't stop it from being ridiculously sexist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially the expression Goslin's giving. Yeah. They Get used to it, Red. <laughs> they could have pointed made it funnier i guess like pointing out the sexism from ducktales <laughs> but it's all right so meanwhile we cut back to the adults because launchpad is not an adult <laughs> uh, we cut back to the adults in the side of the quackworks building uh stan what's happening here so they're deciding to scale to the top because they think they think that magic is probably in the penthouse and they're crawling up the side of the building which is covered in plants because we have the fourth member of the Fearsome Four that we hadn't seen yet, a upgraded Bushroot. And can I say Gyro is totally out of his element here? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that's weird, too. Like, they never have Gyro in the middle of the action. Well, he has nothing to say. We have four mm-hmm. panels with him, and he doesn't say a word. Um, but Bushroot's attacking them with various Venus flytrap vines all over the building. Uh, almost like Biollante from one of the Godzilla movies. I don't know if either of you even know that reference, Tiff. I actually own that movie, but I've not watched it yet. It's really cool. For a later Godzilla movie, it's really awesome. And <laughs> Godzilla fights a giant rose and then later a giant Venus flytrap. And that's just what this reminds me of. Well, maybe I'll put it on my to-do list sooner than I planned. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know what you think of it. Um, anyway, Darkwing uses the gas gun, hits Bushroot in the face with it, and they're able to scale the rest of the building. Yep. We do get a suck gas evil doer. Um, another issue goes by with no intro, though, from him. Yep. Okay, so back to the six children. <laughs> um, so what do they, <laughs> what do they find? They finally slime. find... It's yeah, a river the... of slime! <laughs> the slime supply i said six children there's actually seven of them sorry my bad math wasn't my strong suit <laughs> um yeah so they're underground it's a river of slime so what happens next if um then huey dewey and louie go to grab a sample and there's another moment where they're ta- where webby is talking to goslin about you know, why didn't she go down there? And I don't know. I feel like they're trying to, like, make a point, but it doesn't quite hit about, like, girls doing things. <laughs> Can you really picture, like, maybe, like, in an episode, Webby actually interacting with Goslin? Like, something seems so off about yeah, that. It's, yeah. It's kind of weird. <laughs> I'm going to tell you this, really. And, you know, we have two more issues, but I'll just say it now that we're really on the topic. Everybody wants that DuckTales Darkwing crossover of the original series, but just I feel like those shows were so different characterization and humor wise that just something feels fundamentally wrong with these characters getting together. That's just me. I mean, yeah, you'd have to change you'd have to change something. <laughs> you couldn't have them be purely DuckTales characters and purely Darkwing characters because it doesn't quite work in the same 
universe. Which is the problem we're having with Darkwing and Scrooge. It just isn't working for me. Yeah. But but then we get like an internal monologue from Launchpad who's so upset that his two heroes hate each other. And again, Launchpad's being way too introspective. Like he yeah. wouldn't even he would be thinking how hungry he was for a hippo bird. <laughs> yeah. Probably. I did want to ask, did either of you think the panel where the boys are trying to get the sample of slime, did that remind you of the scene from the opening of DuckTales? From the Treasure of the Golden Suns? Where they're trying to scramble up the, like, the side of a cliff, I think? Oh, that's from Sending the Clones. Oh. When Huey's going up the cliff. Yeah, because it seems to remind me of that scene. Well, whenever, like, Huey, Dewey, and Louie make a duck stack like that, there's so many scenes in DuckTales where they do that. That duck it's... Stack. Duck stack. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> so something starts to rumble, and we cut away from Launchpad and the kids. So back we hear the, a splash. A splash yeah. and an rarg or something like and that. That <laughs> will what be is, important later. It definitely will be. Um, so now we're in Quackworks, and... Darkwing is confronted right by his office. And, you know, we have a whole bunch more references. The only one I know that really jumps out at me is the Mad Hatter's hat. Yeah. Other than that, it's just a bunch of other stuff. Megavolt's left behind some batteries. I think that was his his desk. Yeah. I'm surprised there's no Brave Little Toaster references. <laughs> hmm. Although Darkwing mentions he, he worked there when he wanted to give Gosling a normal life, and Scrooge makes a comment that, you know, sitting around earning an honest dollar is the first smart thing he's heard him say. But then, but then, Stan, who's in the room calling for help? It is Gizmo Duck, which doesn't make a lot of sense, because I know they took the Gizmo suit, but Fenton wasn't in the Gizmo suit when they took it, so why would they put him in it? Good question. And even chained up, you think he'd be able to use his... Yeah. I mean, I don't know. And um, then also, but I will say this, like, you still have all these problems in this issue with Scrooge's dialogue. It doesn't really sound like Scrooge, but I totally hear Gizmo Duck. Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like Alan Young's dialogue was always very nuanced, so it's really hard to hear Scrooge if he's not written just right. But I can easily hear Hamilton Camp in my head. Yeah. Um, so before they can help Gizmo Duck, a giant platform bursts out of the ground, and we get literally all our villains, including the Phantom Blot. Yep. And do any of these guys do a single thing in this entire scene? <laughs> uh, no. I mean, this League of Evil brings together all these female villains and doesn't do a damn thing with them. Yeah. It's such a shame. And even the even the the male villains just stand there and do nothing. Yep. But I guess that would get in the way of what comes next, which is what, Stan? Well, they want to see what's going to happen when a friend gets uh, the ink on him. Hence, the Gizmo Duck gets it on him. Yep. And what does Gizmo Duck turn into? This is actually kind of cool. Yeah. Giant fanged version of Gizmo Duck with Phantom Blot 
uh, eyes on his symbols and lots and lots of weapons. Enough weapon weapons here probably to make even Negaduck a little jealous. And Gizmoduck never had chainsaws and dynamite as yeah. weapons. It was like pies and skunks and stuff like that. <laughs> I love it so much because you never got to see like a Nega Gizmoduck. <laughs> so Silvani has drawn one. Yeah, it's I cool. It's awesome, his drawing. <laughs> you know, Silvani's art saves even the weakest issues. It really does. Yep. So he swings his weapons at, you know, the good guys. Actually, Conks, does he actually hit Gyro in the head with yeah, a mace? I, I yeah. think he does. <laughs> How did that not kill him? I'm not sure. That mace was covered in spikes. So See, this guess... is my other problem with these characters getting together. The Darkwing characters operate on Toon logic, and the DuckTales characters don't. Yeah. So when Gyro gets hit in the head by a spiked mace... On DuckTales, that would have killed him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then we get some panels of the villains talking to each other. And that's literally all they do is talk to each other. And <laughs> and I know something that probably drives you crazy, Tiffany, is that Liquid Liquidator just talks. Yeah. Like, just talks. No ad speak. Nothing. It's like someone didn't know how to write for him. Yeah, well, that's what they always said, was that he was the most difficult to write for. But they could have tried. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the League of Evil are talking about how the men are sniping at each other, and Magicka tells them to just wait, but I don't know, wait for what? Because <laughs> it's not like we see Cinnamon Teal, Ammonia Pine, and Camille Camille do anything in this story. <laughs> Which is a shame. I would have liked to have seen her, Camille do something. Yeah. Okay. Does she even change? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> okay, so Darkwing is grabbed by the, you know, Nega Gizmo Duck. And that's when Darkwing just, he has some of the worst dialogue of any boom comic here. Yeah. And I am going to read it verbatim because whenever Darkwing has really badly characterized dialogue, I always do read it. He says to Gizmo Duck, I just wanted to say I liked you. I may, not, I may not have shown it, but that might be because, wow, you seem to have it all. You always acted so humbly. Maybe I hated that attitude because I wish I had a little bit of it. I guess I, do, I, guess I have to do this. I wish we could have switched places. You probably think of something better. Does that sound anything like yeah. Darkwing Duck? No. This, this is like my biggest problem with the whole issue. <laughs> Is no matter the circumstances, part. he would never say those words yeah. to Gizmo Duck. Ever. No way. He I might thank him. It, I don't think he would say it to anyone, and he definitely wouldn't say it to Fenton. <laughs> he might thank him and say they made a good team, but he would never say he liked him. He would never say he was jealous of him, and he would absolutely never say he wishes they can switch places. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, Stan. What happens now? <laughs> so, courtesy of a communication to Agent 44, Mama Crackshell is <laughs> dropped into the scene in one of the worst breaks in continuity ever. <laughs> I will say it is really amazing to see Mama Crackshell because yeah. she is always ignored. Like, anything DuckTales, like the old comics, everything... 
the greater DuckTales later season canon is never spoken of. You never see her. You never see Gandra D. So it's really great to see her. Yeah, but, I, I love her as a character so much, and I love the dynamic between her and Fenton. It's like... I don't have a... I'm one of those fans of a problem, who doesn't have a problem, That that is, that Fenton took over the show because he brought over his own little universe of characters with him yeah. and, and spiced up that series that really kind of needed it after 65 episodes. Yeah, I love I'm that. Okay. I'm okay with it. But I'm going to let Stan say what the continuity problem is here. So the continuity problem is that Mama Crackshell apparently doesn't know that Fenton is Gizmoduck. Bull. She wore the suit at least twice. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm not the biggest DuckTales fan, and even I know that. And didn't she, like, wash it and make it tiny? I she shrunk so. it in uh, <laughs> the new Gizmo Kids on the Block, and then she built him a garbage duck suit. Yep. Um, there is an animation mistake when she drops on Fenton's head. Do you notice that Fenton's lips have lipstick on them? Yeah. Oh, I did yep. not notice that. Uh, when she's dropped on him, it's couch TV and all. Yeah. It's, she <laughs> and has a they, uh, there's also a mug which I think has Stitch on it. Uh, yeah, that's Stitch, definitely. But her chewing him out yeah. negates the effects of the ink. So Stop Fenton's that. back to being Fenton. Somehow... I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I think that's funny. Yeah, it's... It's, it is explained, at least in the next issue. Okay, so um, finally the villains actually get to attack, not the League of Evil, but the other villains, the Beagle Boys and the Fearsome Four. Um, but Gizmo Duck turns on one of his rotary uh, fans, blows them all away, grabs everybody, and flies out the building with them. And I love Mama's face the whole time. <laughs> she is unimpressed. <laughs> but Gizmo Duck is his dialogue is perfect. Like you see, the mild-mannered bean counter you knew has a very different side to him. This bean counter can zip, zap, and zap pow with the best of them. Yeah, it's real. It's you. You hear it. You hear Gizmo Duck is back. You hear it. Yeah, his 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 um dialogue is great in this. And I feel like Silvani knows we've been waiting this. 17 issues for Gizmo Duck because the drawings of him are perfect. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and I, I love how he gets them all out of the building and then everybody falls. <laughs> yeah. Although Darkwing's at a character again. Like he says, no problem. Thanks, Gizmo Duck, which is fine. But then he goes, seriously, thanks. Which is. Yeah. Ah. Maybe he would say it quick under his breath, but he wouldn't say it twice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> say you old Kermergen I thought you didn't want to be a team well I didn't say that out loud <laughs> exactly. yeah. out loud totally. <laughs> <laughs> that is more Darkwing <laughs> okay so Tiffany how do we end this issue so you hear Launchpad saying it got him it got the kids hey look this Fred <laughs> yep and then you see a crazy like transformed version of the kids into Disney villains, which are Chernbog, Monstro, Maleficent, and Willy the Giant, I guess. What I don't understand is only the nephews were trying to get into the ink. So what happened? Why? 
Why did it ha- also happen to Honker? I think Honker was standing near the ledge. I think the ledge gave way and dropped the three nephews and Honker into the slime. I'll That's buy that. That's my guesstimate. So then it's got the monsters holding the girls thing. Webby is in... Um, very... Oh. Huh? I was going to say very King Kong. Yes, <laughs> definitely. Well, I'll buy that for three ninety nine. <laughs> and I did twice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, three times because I also bought the the paperback version of it too, <laughs> which and is I think the second so sure rarest. That... No, go ahead, Stan. Say, I didn't mean. I was going to say I'm sure the trade paperback cost me a bit more than three ninety nine though. No, yeah. but I didn't. But I bought it when it was new, so thank God I didn't overpay for that. Yeah, <laughs> which I would say probably the second rarest of all the uh, the Boom and Joe book stuff, right? It's definitely definitively dangerous, then dangerous currency as far as rarity goes. I think. I think so, though. Somewhere in that mix is Darkwing Duck Classics Volume One. Yeah, yeah. I did. I, I haven't been following that because it's just old old material. So I really have no idea how much that's going for these days. Do you have any idea, Stan? I'm not sure. I think somewhere between 70 to 90. So that puts it in the Marvel issue 10 ballpark then. Around there, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that fluctuates. Sometimes you get lucky finding issue 10 for pretty low. And then sometimes there are sellers who want hundreds for it. It, It's super crazy. So let's rate this issue out of five gas gun canisters. Stan, why don't you start? I'm going to give this one a two. All right. I think, again, there was potential there. Like, I would have loved to have seen this comic rewritten and maybe some of the problematic panels redrawn because I think it could have worked, but the execution is flawed. There's there's too many large continuity errors, strange bits of dialogue. You know, yeah. it, it just, it falls apart. Tiff? All right, so I actually kind of like this one. So, oh. but but I can't rate it that high because yeah, the continuity error and that dialogue between Gizmo and Darkwing. I'm gonna give it a, if I can do this a two and three quarters. That's yeah. fine. I'm sure yeah. that's allowed. I mean, Will's given the score of infinity before. <laughs> I think he's given like fraction scores too. I'm pretty sure he's done it, but he's also done crazy infinity scores as well. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff I like in it and I really like the art and in, in it. And it's, I, it, it's just like what Stan said, like it could have been really good if the, if it was rewritten, I think it could have been a really good issue. I'm giving this a two and a half, which is a half gas canister higher than the last issue, which is I was surprised I actually went higher, mainly because I'm a sucker for anything with an accurate gizmo duck. Yeah. It's this is like our one chance ever to see Mama crack shell back. <laughs> yeah. And Fred the living lamppost is a really funny <laughs> joke. Yeah. So that's enough to bring it up. But I do think a lot of the out-of-character crap is really annoying. I don't like the Webby Goslin thing. I don't like Scrooge. I don't like Darkwing apologizing to Gizmo Duck and all that nonsense. As far as I remember, because I haven't gone through the next two issues, I, I think it does go downhill from here. Um, 
I think this may be the strongest out of the four issues. And to give it a two and a half, that's not saying much. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's issue 17. Uh, next episode, we're going to be doing flip-flopping back to DuckTales, issue six for part three of Dangerous Currency. Which was the final issue of the DuckTales comic. Yeah, it was a very short-lived... Uh, <laughs> Boom Boom gave the Disney Afternoon titles a shot, but nothing yeah. quite got to the heights of Darkwing. Yeah. I think Rescue like Rangers Rescue... had great art, but I heard it had terrible writing. Yeah, that I think lasted for eight issues. And I don't think the... I read any of those. I didn't either. I've and... read them before. I've got all the issues, but I probably will have to reread them again. I can't really remember them. And the DuckTales, um, like I said last week, the rightful owners, those four, first four issues, the art goes from great to abysmal, and the writing is really crummy. I, I, I feel like Boom got excited when Darkman was doing well and just greenlit all this other stuff. But without Silvani and Sparrow initially spearheading Darkwing, they didn't really have the heart to really do a good job with it. Right. And I think it just makes all of the boom stuff look weaker because there's so much of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so before we wrap up for the night, let's do another mini review. Uh, Tiffany, <laughs> what have you got for us tonight? All right. So I always try to relate it somewhat to my feelings towards the comics. <laughs> okay. <So>, paradox. <laughs> Okay. Okay. How is that related? I'm I'm really missing the Yeah, it's just basically my feelings towards it. So I oh. I really liked the episode when I was a kid and now it's like I love everything that happens in it, but I think it's executed poorly and I have a lot of problems with the way that it was done, but I love what happens in it and you know. Cater elaborate with the problems. I just think that it's not directed very well. Like there's the animation isn't that great at all. It looks the whole, I don't know how to describe this right, but it looks really empty. Like there's a lot of like dead space in like the way that it looks. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess we can chalk that up to being an early Sun Woo episode. Yeah. A lot of those early Sun Woos don't hold up that well. They get better. I am just current. I am just really quickly checking the credits for this one because I forgot who wrote it. Doug Langdale. He was a pretty decent writer. Yeah, I mean the story, like what happens in it, is awesome. But it's just I don't know. I think there's problems. I think I, I'm also like a an, an Elvis fan, so I do like that they have this somewhat like Elvis reference thing. <laughs> But I don't in care it. for that character, though. I That's what I was going to say, but I don't really like the character. It's like I like the idea and the concept of going that way, but I don't think it worked. <laughs> I feel like everything in that episode leads up to the end. It's like biding its time to the musical number. Yeah. And there is like some Darkwing Duck episodes really balance dialogue with action. This one feels like nobody shuts up through most of it. And combine that with just Sun Wu. And I, I can understand how someone could get frustrated with it. 
Yeah. Stan, and, do you have any opinions on? Oh, sorry, sorry, Tiff. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, like the the guitar as a weapon is like cool, but it's not explained at all what it's doing or what it does or anything about it. And I feel like that's a missed opportunity too. I mean, as an adult, my assumption is just the riffs are strong enough to break things. But <laughs> since this is a show aimed at children, my guess is the guitar is supposed to be firing lasers because <laughs> it is still a kid's show. Yeah. Um, which, if that's the case, I think it's a little bit less smart. If it was just he was a bad guitar player and whenever he strummed the guitar, he broke things, that's a great joke in itself. But I think the intent is just it's a magic guitar. And if you're not going to explain that, don't do that. Yeah, it doesn't just break things, though. There's that part where he, like, strums it and it, like, perfectly puts the tires, like, on top of Darkwing. So it's like, wait, does it control things, too? It's a magic guitar. (laughs) (laughs) Stan, do you have any opinions of this episode? I'm not the biggest fan of it, to be honest. I wasn't a fan of the King character. You know, I've seen better time travel stories. The art wasn't that great. But I will say that there were some interesting concepts in it. And Tiffany, I will say that you at least have enunciated your feelings on it far better than some other reviewer I saw once that described it. (laughs) Well, some reviewers hate uh, Bearskin Thug, and I, I can't wrap my brain around that one. Um, <laughs> that's a perfect Darping and Gosling episode. I'm sorry. Um, but um, I will say the the Darkwing musical number at the end does, is very cool. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think a lot of the direction, animation, and staging in that is excellent. Yeah. Especially for Sunwolf. I love uh, Darkwing, Gosling, and Drakey on the surfboard in silhouette. Yep. That's a great shot. And then Darkwing trapping the king in the piano and then blowing it up is really good. Really good, too. Yeah, the piano. Plus the tune like, sounds good. Yep. <laughs> oh, I wish I wish Jim Cummings got to sing more as Darkwing. I know. That would have been really nice if he could have gotten a few more chances to sing. Well, maybe we'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, let's just not get our hopes up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So that said, we are the St. Canard Files, a Darkwing Duck podcast. You can find us on all podcast apps, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google, uh, iHeartRadio, Pandora, uh, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, or you can go watch us on YouTube. If you do that, uh, subscribe. Um, and share too that would help um stan is there anything you want to plug or shout out tonight uh not particularly okay so tiff um i guess just my uh my instagram at tiffany silverbron um and uh regurgitating gertie and my youtube at uh radioact tiffany and um carney tube All right, so we'll see everyone back here next week for part three of Dangerous Currency. And until then, everybody have a great day and stay dangerous. (laughs) Stay dangerous, everyone. (laughs) And watch out for talking evil (laughs) lampposts. There might be one right behind you. Watch out. Good night, everybody.